Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, welcome to Coindesk TV. You're watching The Hash. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O. She's waving. Jen Sinassi with a little head twist. Will, still in some sort of prison situation. Sorry about that, Will. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to get you up to speed on what's going on in the world of crypto today. It's Tuesday. We're going to start off with Wendy. What's up? <sighs> you guys remember when the DOJ, I think it was the DOJ when they came out and they wanted to like tell us we're in this crypto regulation. It was urgent. It was like, oh my God. Well, this is the story right here. And apparently Binance is kind of related. But before you guys say anything, hold on. Binance processed nearly $346 million worth of Bitcoin trades for BitsLatto, which kind of sounds like a Starbucks coffee. Starbucks, please sponsor the show. Um, but it is, in fact, a crypto exchange. The founder was arrested in Miami last week for allegedly operating an unlicensed exchange business that processed $700 million in illicit funds. And Binance was named one of BitLatso's top three counterparties by the amount of Bitcoin received between May 2018 and September 2022. They were one of the only major exchanges. But before I pass it off to anybody else, I want to first remind you guys, before we jump to conclusions here, Binance is one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. So it does make sense that they would be involved with this. Probably they had no idea, but at the same time, stuff does happen, especially in crypto and traditional finance as well. So I don't think Binance was really doing anything bad. I think they just got caught up in the mix because they are one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. Jen, I would love to get your take on this. I think we can say as much as we want on this show that Binance probably didn't know, but authorities and regulators are going to look at this story differently. So Bitlato's founder was allegedly running a money laundering engine. That's what authorities are saying. And if we just listen to how regulators, how authorities have been speaking about crypto, if they can tie Binance to this alleged money laundering scheme, I think they will. I think given the state of the industry, what's happened with FTX and some other centralized exchanges due to contagion, I don't think this is a good look for Binance. Although, Wendy, I kind of agree with you. Like Maybe they didn't do anything wrong, but I think that regulators are going to say, why were the right checks and balances not in place? 
How did you not know that this upwards of $300 million was being used in some kind of money laundering scheme? And so I don't think this is good for Binance. Will, what do you think? Well, I think we got to hold on a little bit here. Binance is an international company. Binance US is the only exchange from Binance that is serving in the US and serving US clients. So to me right now, I'm still wondering if US regulators are really going to care about this story as much. Obviously, they did push against Pislato and it had some enforcement action against them because of their role in money laundering. And we've seen that there's been a lot of enforcement actions against cryptocurrency companies uh, in the Russian area because of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. But it's not quite clear yet if there's going to be some tie between Binance, US regulators, and Bitslato. Maybe, maybe US regulators go so far as to say that they're going to censor uh, Binance because of its ties to Bitslato. But that seems unlikely given Binance's place within the ecosystem and the fact that Binance, as of right now, does not service US customers. The only way they're going to service US customers is if those customers are abroad somehow and able to get through ID verification. I mean, I've been on Binance before, and then I was booted off the exchange when they implemented KYC laws for US customers. So I think there's a few things that we have to uh, know about there. I, the one thing I want to bring up, however, is the Wazir X story from a few weeks ago. If you remember that story, guys, there was like this confusion about where Wazir X's uh, finances were. Were they on top of Binance? Were they not on top of Binance? There was some ruffled feathers between the two CEOs of Binance and Wazir X. And we came out to find out that Wazir X actually was using Binance for a lot of its trading. Like a lot of its assets were on top of Binance. And as you remember, that makes sense because Binance is going to give you the best price execution. So it's odd to see like a lot of smaller exchanges actually running on top of Binance's software and using Binance's whole exchange infrastructure for itself. So I think there could be more cases of this. And this is just something that Binance has to be aware of. If they're going to be servicing other exchanges as part of its business end, well, you might come across some people who are acting in bad faith or in bad jurisdictions. And that is a threat to Binance itself. Zach, I'm going to throw it up to you. Binance is a big target on its back. It's the big fish out there for regulators worldwide. Remember before SBF was sort of outed as a alleged fraud, the consensus among Washington, D.C. thinkfluencers was that, you know, CZ was sort of the evil, like, Jedi crypto founder. SBF was like the good crypto founder, right? And I think there is that lingering distrust, especially within U.S. regulatory circles about Binance, whether this was something that they did with knowledge or simply without knowledge because they can process it without their consent or something. That doesn't matter. What this story tells me is that the big prize out there is Binance. The people who sort of see Binance as an enabler of scams, as an enabler of money laundering. There's plenty of sentiment, I think, especially within the regulatory ranks that is out there to this day. So I think when we saw sort of the grandiose statement about BitLotso, I think keen observers were sort of saying, I think they're piecing together a case potentially against Binance or some other big major factor in the industry, right? Could potentially be what's at play here as we start to see dribs and drabs of this story come out as it relates to the Bits Lotto case. So I think that to me is the story, big target on its back, CZ, he's the biggest thing out there right now. And I think not everybody, but some folks are seeking to claw him down with accusations such as this. I don't know. Wendy, what do you think? Accusations, accusations, accusations. They just need to leave Binance alone. Binance literally is not even like <laughs> legally allowed to operate in the United States of America, but yet FinCEN is mad at them. Like Binance is caught up in this whole thing. It's becoming ridiculous at this point. Like I just not understanding why we're focusing on things that are not even in our jurisdiction when in fact we should be focusing on things that are in our jurisdiction and actually like help retail. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a crazy person. 
Jen. <laughs> Wendy, why are you surprised that regulators aren't focusing on things within their jurisdiction? We've been here for a long time. That shouldn't be that surprising right now. But I do want to add that a Binance spokesperson, it was mentioned in the story, said that they provided substantial assistance in this case to authorities as they were investigating. But if this turned out bad for Binance, I just want to say it wouldn't be the first time we saw an exchange working with regulators trying to do the best thing, trying to put their best foot forward, and then regulators turning on them. That is obviously just speculation. But Zach, I think I saw your hand go up. I was just going to say, historically, Binance has played fast and loose with jurisdictional issues. So maybe the suspicion is merited in some cases. But I'll toss it down to Will. Yeah, before we move on to the next story, I do want to bring up the one precedent we actually have for this story. And it's with the U.S. exchange Kraken, which back in November was a slap with a fine for actually only around six figures uh, for its role in processing uh, transfers and transactions in Iran. So like, we do have precedent for this. Kraken is a U.S.-based exchange, however, and they got a, like basically a slap on the wrist. It wasn't much. So I don't know if much is going to come about this. That's being said, we're going to talk about more Binance stuff here. We got a new report this morning about Binance actually uh, mixing customer funds with its own assets. In this story, we see that, oh, that's a nice little brownie picture there, by the way. We got to bring that up. A little brownie mixer there, right there on the right. (laughs) Love that. Uh, So Binance has this token allocation called B tokens. Basically, if you want to trade or swap tokens on its native exchange or its native uh, smart chain BNB, then you have to swap between Ether and BEther or Bitcoin and B Bitcoin, basically making sure that that token can work within the Binance ecosystem. However, new reports show that Binance has sort of been mixing things, sort of like FTX did. Uh, they've been having some problems uh, labeling wallets correctly, leading to a lot of these tokens being mixed with customer funds, which is not great. Binance said that it's fixing the problem right now and that there is over collateralization of all these tokens. That being said, it's not great to see one of the largest exchanges or the largest exchange having problems with labeling its wallets correctly. Jen, I'm going to throw the story down to you. Yeah. So as you were talking there, I just thought, you know, we have these large exchanges, these large crypto companies. And I wonder if internally, a lot of them are still kind of flying fast and loose and acting like startups, like maybe not having the correct processes in place to catch these things. When I was reading the story, I thought I really honestly hope it was an honest mistake, but this is not the right environment to be making honest mistakes when it comes to customer funds, especially when you're Binance and you have that huge target on your back. I think just like even hearing the words mingling customer funds is so triggering for anyone in this industry right now. And so it's not the right time for any exchange to be making any of these mistakes. And I just recommend that exchanges use this time during the bear market to make sure the right procedures, the right processes are put in place because you can almost be sure that regulators are going to come knocking at your door and you're going to have to prove that you are doing what you say you are doing. Wendy? A couple things here. First, maybe this actually was an error. Maybe when the whole FTX fiasco happened, the crypto contagion, they were like moving funds around like crazy to try to get proof of reserves out as fast as they could. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The second thing that comes to mind is, is that This happens a lot in traditional finance. We talk about it all the time on the show, but it just doesn't get reported on because you can't really track cash. And a lot of that stuff isn't public information, but we're talking about cryptocurrency. Everything's on the blockchain. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and hope that they are going to do right by customers and do a little bit better job 
you know, not mixing funds and keeping things separate and hopefully continue to set precedent for the industry to call for more transparency. Yeah, the good thing about transparency is that it leads to accountability. And that seems to be what the story is here, right? I think if we take them for their word, they're going to address this problem and fix it, right? Sort of the ethos of open source code is out there on the internet for everyone to observe and to poke holes into and therefore improve it down the line. And this is sort of a similar process that I think blockchain enables, right? This is not open source technology by any means, what we're talking about here. This is proof of reserves, people looking at wallets that are uh, labeled and known and sort of connecting the dots and saying, hey, Binance, I think you have an issue here. Binance saying, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's fix that. And I think that is something that is iterative and good about open source technology and sort of the crypto ethos. So it is interesting to see that ball being pushed forward, which is you know, admittedly an embarrassing headline for Binance, but hopefully leads to these being more clearly delineated going forward. And that's a good thing. Will, saw your hand. Yeah, I think we need to stop the simping for Binance here a little bit. Let's go back in time machine to January 10th. <laughs> and, and Leave <laughs> CZ alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I think we've been pretty fair and balanced so far. But I do want to go back to a January 10th headline from Bloomberg talking about how actually BUSD, the stable coin for Binance, was under collateralized at some points for as much as $1 billion. So that's because they had a mismatch in assets tied to the stablecoin. The stablecoin is serviced by Paxos, which is a New York licensed cryptocurrency provider. So there's some fault among many parties here at the very least, but it's pretty concerning that such a large token, the third most important stablecoin in the industry behind Tether and USDC, was off its peg as much as $1 billion. And we didn't really know about it until after the fact. So I do have some questions about this reporting this morning. Doesn't seem as serious as the Bloomberg report from a few weeks ago. Zach, I'll throw it back to you. I don't know the particulars, and I'm not trying to simp for anyone else on this show, but there are two <laughs> BUSDs, just FYI. There's the regulated BUSD, which is administered by Paxos, but there's the BNB <laughs> chain BUSD, and that may have been the issue here. I don't remember the particulars of this instance, but there are two BUSDs out there, just to be aware. Can we just all agree that the only thing we're going to simp for on this show is tacos, especially because it's Taco Tuesday. Is it even Tuesday? Can somebody... Yeah. Can control remind it's Tuesday. me, somebody? Can confirm. Okay. I will always Thank simp you. for tacos. Any day always ending in Y is a tacos. day for simping for tacos. Uh-oh. It's Taco Uh-oh. Tuesdays on the hat. No. Got it. Whoa, I had Taco funny. Monday. <laughs> We're having fun on Taco Tuesday and bringing you the latest and greatest in crypto news. All right. We are heading off to the FBI, who says that North Korean hackers were behind the $100 million Horizon Bridge theft. The agency says Lazarus Group and APT38 are responsible for the attack that happened in June and added that they relied on a malware campaign known as Traitor Traitor. Now, Traitor Traitor is a term used by the government to refer to spear phishing messages sent to employees of crypto companies that often mimic a recruitment effort and offer high-paying jobs to entice recipients to download Malware will remember that this is reportedly also how $600 million worth of crypto was stolen from the Axie Infinity-linked Ronin Bridge. Will, I'm kicking it off to you. North Korean hackers are out here exploiting bridges. What do you take away from this? Yeah, be careful. Look under your pillows. I might be coming for you. I actually want to bump the story to Zach. I feel like he's got a hot take. Zach? I mean, the North Korean hackers are doing great here. They're kicking ass. They did the Ronin thing. They did this one. This was long rumored to be the case, right? I think Elliptic was one of the early 
analytics firms that said, hey, this looks like the work of North Korean hackers, FBI confirming that based on their understanding. So yeah, shout out to them. They're doing it right. They're, do, they're impersonating <laughs> talent. They're doing all sorts of things. They're putting the whole bridge industry in crisis, right? Crosschain is in crisis because North Korean hackers are going the extra mile. So hats off to them. They're really doing it. That is all, that, that was like my semi-spicy take and really doesn't add much. So back down to you, Will. What do you got? No, I think you're spot on. And Lazarus Group is even a badass name. So they got that going too, right? I don't know if they named it themselves or as the FBI, but I think Lazarus Group got to be one of the Are we for the North Korean hackers We now? are simping for the we North Korean hackers. What? We're we are, yes. <laughs> what they they got on? the bag. <laughs> Respect Lazarus the people Drew, who get please the bag. don't hack us. Please leave us alone. We, we simp for you. Honestly, <laughs> I'd be honored you. to be hacked by the Lazarus group. All right, just kidding. <laughs> They're actually using this money for very bad purposes, including stockpiling nuclear weapons in North Korea. So we're not a big fan of them on this show or anywhere else. The one thing I do want to bring up to Zach's point is they are going after the smart things, right? These bridges. Bridges and crypto are so new and everyone thinks that you can use them so easily. And that's because a lot of these developers have rushed into making these bridges for users instead of thinking about the security parameters. If I'm moving Bitcoin to Ethereum or if I'm moving Ethereum to another bridge like Avalanche, there's a whole bunch of things you have to jump through that are not safe and secure at all. Most of the time, these bridges, in fact, are just multi-sig wallets controlled by developers and admins. And then you just go after those developers and admins and you have a honeypot. So that's typically what you do in these situations. There's a lot of money sitting in these multi-sigs. Really easy to hack them if you know who to go after. Lazarus Group apparently does know how to go after them. So to me, I think this is going to keep happening because no one has really actually solved how to bridge between chains yet. This is still like unexplored territory. A lot of people are putting time and effort into it. But a lot of people who are just using these chains, they don't have the patience to wait. They just want to move their assets between chains right now instead of selling and then buying on a new chain. And until that really changes, we're going to see more hacks like this. Up to you, Wendy. So kind of an interesting, I guess, history corner about this, like way back in the day, what we used to do is like when you would get your trading profits, you would convert it to like Litecoin or to Dogecoin to send it to a different exchange so that the transaction fees wouldn't be so high. But then you would have to still pay a little bit of a transaction fee. But um, it was a lot faster than sending Bitcoin way back in the day. But I guess we have bridges to kind of solve that now. But at the same time, I don't really feel comfortable using bridges. I just feel like... No, we don't have bridges to solve it. That's what I'm saying. Well, I know that's what I'm saying is I don't feel comfortable using it because it's like, I'm just scared. I'm just scared I'm going to bridge the wrong leg to somewhere. You're going to bridge to North Korea. I'm going to bridge to North Korea, man, and like get my funds stolen. So I'll just go ahead and send my Litecoin and Dogecoin for things when I actually am a profitable trader, which, um, yeah, so about that. (laughs) I think this this highlights the user experience versus security conundrum we have in this space, right? Everyone's trying to get all of these users into the space and make things as easy as possible for them. But maybe we need to just pump the brakes. And I've said this on the store before. I think Vitalik has said this when it comes to bridges also. And just, you know, make sure that the things that we are building are tight and the security is there. And then we can focus on bringing the next billion users over and making it as easy as possible for them. But I think we have a lot to figure out before they get here. And we've already lost a lot of money. So let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Zach, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, all good technical points. I think from a narrative perspective, this is a real black eye for crypto, right? It's like, what is crypto good for? Funding North Korea's nuclear weapons program. That's a really bad look for the crypto industry. And yet we see this with Ronin, with Harmony, with probably others 
that money, as Will mentioned, is being funneled to very bad things. So I think from a regulatory perspective, that this as a conversation point is real bad for uh, sensible regulation of the crypto industry going forward. When you see headlines like this and you realize that, oh, wow, a ton of funding is going from these exploits to just straight up bad stuff. Quick word, last word, Will, what do you got? Yeah, all I was going to say is like, you can't say crypto doesn't have a real world use case at this point because we are doing something, right? Just not, just not good stuff. Okay, Zach, let's go back to you. Talk about the EU. All right, let's go to the EU. We're talking about EU lawmakers, maybe riffing on some of that bad black eye vibes in the market. Okay, the EU lawmakers, they said, we're giving, quote, prohibitive requirement on banks, end quote, if they want to hold crypto, right? They have to have one euro for every one euro of crypto that they hold. These capital controls are stricter than uh, traditional banks would face. And I guess the idea here is if we make the bar quite high, you know, only those adequately capitalized can participate in these markets. And hey, maybe that's a good thing. Um, And maybe it may also dissuade banks from getting involved in the first place. So from a regulated perspective, maybe that's the goal. We'll see. This is the EU. They've obviously been hashing out these things pretty heavily over the last 18 months. A ton of regulation has come out of the EU looking at how to regulate this growing asset class. I'm going to toss this to Jen for her initial thoughts. Yeah, what's your take on this one? Well, when I was reading the story, I thought back to uh, the last bull cycle all that time ago. It feels like it was so long ago. And we talked so much about banks getting into crypto because users were demanding it from them, right? They had to find a solution. How can they offer crypto to their users? How can they hold on to crypto to be able to participate in what was going on? And now we're in the bear market and no one wants to touch crypto and regulators are looking at how do we keep all of this contagion within the walls of the crypto industry? How do we ensure that it doesn't spill over to the financial industry? I get that part. I just wonder how this is going to play out in the next bull market when users are now demanding crypto. If regulation is so tight that banks decide to step away from it, it seems counterproductive, right? Regulators are there to protect consumers and allow consumers to operate within some kind of regulatory safe framework. If they're making it so difficult for banks to participate in this, I just feel like it's counterproductive against their thesis. They're pushing consumers into the crypto world, which the regulators won't regulate. And so I just don't think this is going to play out well. I think that we need more flexible frameworks. I don't think coming in and saying, you know, you need to have one euro for every, for every euro's worth of crypto assets is going to actually make sense. Well, what do you think? Yeah, there's a few concerns here. I think the highest one is capital efficiency. And that's the idea that every dollar I want to use, I want to be able to use it multiple times over and get as much out of that dollar as possible. In this case, a euro, right? So if I deposit a euro in the bank, I want to be able to go exercise that euro in multiple different activities so I can make as much money as possible on top of it. And that's how crypto has had a lot of use cases over the last few years. And that's honestly how we got into a lot of problems with crypto, where a lot of people were taking uh, crypto, stuffing into a DeFi account, and then taking tokens from that account, stuffing it somewhere else, and you get all this yield stacked on top of itself. And if you don't do that correctly, you can have contagion. And I think that's what these banks are really worried about is if we have too much crypto in these exchanges or in these banks, it's not used correctly, then you can cause contagion because those dollars are not stacked correctly. At the same time, you want that capital efficiency because I want to get as much out of my euro as possible. So you have to find a really nice fine balance. And that's why banks always have these restrictions on how much capital can be deposited at a bank because you need to find that balance again between how much I'm going to lend out versus how much I need to keep on my books in order to protect myself against a run on the bank. So that's one thing just to be like 
cautious about when you're ever drawing up legislation like this. The thing that really worries me, however, is oftentimes these rules get placed and then they're not changed for decades, right? And crypto is new. If we see something like this happen and it's very prohibitive against capital efficiency or it's prohibitive against innovation in the space, it's unlikely you see these changes uh, in the text of law once it's passed for quite a while. And that could really hurt the European market for further crypto growth like we've seen in other places. So I wish they would just pause a little bit longer or at least be a little bit more flexible, just like you said, Jen. But we will have to wait. Wendy, up to you. Really quick, you guys, is banks don't actually have all the reserves that we think they do. So that is something important to note. In addition to that, why can't crypto companies just run like businesses and actually make money from the trading fees and then not touch the other crypto? Is that a hard concept to grasp? Evidently it is, Wendy. It, it really is. makes you think. We're really thinking just, about that one. Just leave it. Really make you think. All right, that's it for the show today. We're going to think on it a little bit longer. We've got 23 hours and 30 minutes to do so. Thanks for being with us here today on Tuesday. I'm Zach. It's Wendy O, Jensen Assey, Will Foxley. We're the hash. We're waving. We're looking good. All right, good stuff. That's it for the show today. Uh, check us out on the podcast network. Go read coindesk.com. A lot of great stuff over there as always. And we will be back tomorrow. All right, that's it. See everybody. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.